Hello and welcome to the We Love Betting Weekend Preview in association with Gambler. Hi guys, hope you're well. Marco O'Hare here from We Love Betting, joined as ever by Tom Love and Will Dyer on Thursday evening as we look ahead to the weekend's bets. Well, the best bets. Um, starting to take that long, furlong home, guys. Uh, the season feels like it's flown by for me. I'm not sure about you, but uh, just a few weeks left to enjoy before attention shifts towards the Euros, and then the cycle begins yet again in August. But um, before we do get into the best bets, let's see if we can learn a bit more about you two. You two fine gentlemen. You've given us your best beers, your takeaways, your best nights out, where to take a date. We've done it all. But um, I'm going to take things on a slightly sinister route this week, and it's not intentional to compound your misery, Will. Uh, I do really sympathise with Swindon's relegation, but it got me thinking. Um, I wanted to know about your worst day supporting your club. Um, for me, there's been many following QPR, as you might expect. Um, but uh, you know, I'll probably go back to 1996. I was a 10-year-old in QPR, relegated from the Premier League for the very first time. Uh, we lost 1-0 away at Coventry in what was a massive six-pointer. And uh, Kevin Gallen headed a glaring chance down as we were always told, head downwards, uh, but the ball kind of bounced so hard off the floor, it went over and we lost 1-0. Uh, we drove all the way home, I kept it all in, said I was going outside to play football in the garden and just rivers of tears came flowing out for a good hour or so. Um, because back then we didn't have, well, you know, we'd be off match of the day as soon as you're relegated. Uh, we didn't have the sort of coverage of social media and the internet back then either, so it was a case of having it all and then having nothing uh, so it was quite quite bleak times. I'd say losing to Cardiff in Cardiff in the playoff final was also pretty rough, but I was a bit more mature then to take it. But uh, yeah, so Will, obviously Swindon probably came into the season feeling quite buoyant after last year. So tough to take, <laughs> I assume. But what's been your worst experience following the Robins? Yeah, I think we were hoping for a bit of a mid-table finish or something like that this season. Definitely didn't have us being relegated, conceding the most goals in the league or... Uh, the bookies didn't have us coming that badly either, but um, it can't get much worse than uh, losing 4 0 to Preston at Wembley uh, in the playoff final. Um, oh. I've been to Wembley four times for Swindon and we lost every game. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, Jermaine Beckford scored a hat trick and I hate that man. I hated him before that anyway, and I hate him even more after that. Uh, I think we were 2 0 down after about 10 minutes and the heads had gone completely, and it was just not a pretty sight. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've spoken to many people about playoff finals, and obviously I've had the fortunate experience of being on both sides now, but yeah, losing in the final is, is not a happy experience uh, at all. But uh, Tom, obviously Bradford have had some ridiculous highs and lows over the past 20 years or so, Premier League to League Two. A league cup final in there as a lower league team but uh what's been the most painful well there's a couple i mean just carrying on the playoff theme we played millwall under stuart mccall in late in the week one playoff final and we'd been on a real kind of upward trajectory under phil parkinson and we managed to get into the playoffs and we beat fleetwood in the semis and then the final nothing really in the game against millwall and um Later on, Steve Morrison scored a goal that was offside. Um, I still to this day believe that was a, about a yard offside. And I remember that. Yeah, you just get that sinking feeling. Just like oh. it did feel a little bit inevitable. They kept putting crosses in, but we were heading them out. And 
Um, there was one point where Tony McMahon, our right back, he could have just squared it for a tap in for Charlie White, who's now at Sunderland doing well, and that'd have been us through and in, in the championship. And then you don't know what could happen from then on. I mean, I've never really seen in my lifetime since I've been supporting City us kind of in the championship. Really, it's always been League One, League Two. Uh, so yeah, that that was probably one of them. I can remember an away game. Uh, we, it was my birthday actually. We went to Oldham with a couple of my mates, and then we were gonna go out in uh, Manchester after and just kind of stay over there. I've, I've kind of a a big do, and we were three 0 down at half time. I think it was the last the last game under Gary Boyer, and that's the only time ever that I've left the game early and we just went at half time was like, no, I can't be bothered with this. We're playing awful, getting back <laughs> I'm like, I want to get on the beers. I don't want to get on the birthday, man. I, I don't want to watch this. It's awful. So yeah, we scooted off, beat the traffic, got into Manchester and uh, drown our sorrows. But yeah, you good can't really get what's that? Was it a good night? Well I can't really remember to be honest. <laughs> well, steaming off my face. So um yeah it must have been um but yeah i don't think anything can get worse than a playoff final defeat but i did as you said mark I, i've been on the other side of it when we beat northampton 3-0 which was a little bit of an, an anti-climax that we we battered them um but yeah that that morrison goal and then seeing all the Millwall fans at the other side of wembley just crushing really you you cling to those moments as well don't you i yeah. We also lost to Millwall in a playoff final at Wembley as well. And Charlie uh, Charlie Austin, who you all know very well, Mark, was was through on goal. And there was oh, a genuine God, bobble. There was a genuine bobble when he when he hit that shot. The, on a Wembley pitch, it was just completely so unlucky. I don't think it was anything to do with his finishing. But uh, we'll <laughs> leave it at that. <laughs> well, you know, we, we've drowned our sorrows there a little bit, but uh, very quickly, the best, uh, best moment supporting your teams. Mine, obviously, was the, the playoff final winning against Derby, which you all have probably seen. Tom? Well, you can't really complain in, in the kind of decade that we've had at Bradford. So many. I think the best moment ever, not even just in football, just probably in my life, is the away game at Villa Park when we went through and got to the final of the League Cup. Um, yeah. We ended up playing Swansea then and lost five 0 when we had one shot in the entire game, which was a bit, a bit of a stinker really. But like that entire cup run, we beat Wigan away and we had five thousand fans behind that net on a Tuesday night. Beat them on pens. We beat Arsenal at Valley Parade, frozen pitch. Wenger was complaining about the size of the changing rooms and everything. Uh, beat them on penalties as well. Uh, but that Villa Park. What a stadium that is. I mean, it was snowing that night and James Hansen scored a bullet header in front of us at the top of that uh, away end, around 7,000 City fans. Just unbelievable, just magical. And that that's what football's about, really, isn't it? I mean, we, we've not had a chance to get in the grounds or anything, but it, it's kind of made you think, like, you don't really like football for watching football. It's the moments uh, when you're there, actually, in the stadium that, that make it so special. I can, couldn't agree more. And I think supporting a team in the lower leagues, not yet United's, Liverpool's and Chelsea's, etc. But supporting the likes of Swindon, Bradford, even QPR, I just think it's tremendous character building 
as you grow up really just learn yeah. to experience different emotions and, and how to deal with those emotions you know heartache to to elation and everything in between it gives you a, a real sort of sense of, of expectations and how to deal with them but uh, mm. uh well your your best moment yeah well exactly a week before that 4-0 loss at Wembley I think we navigated a 7-6 on aggregate tie against Sheffield United in the semi-finals oh, yeah. and that was amazing um but actually also I just can't forget uh Rory Fallon overhead kick against Bristol City in 2004 or something like that it was just the, the greatest moment to score a goal like that against your, your arch rivals or one of your arch rivals anyway it, in front of the town end was was pretty good lovely stuff well always good to have a bit of nostalgia on the podcast and nights it's nice to hear your memories guys good and bad but uh, let's get into it then for the weekend we're going to start with the Premier League highlight on Super Sunday, Man United's matchup with Liverpool from Old Trafford. United outsiders at home. Uh, they're around 15 to 8, 2.88. That price is moving about a bit. Uh, Liverpool favourites, 31 to 20. That's 2.55. Um, I know United have got Europa League commitments, and I know they're pretty safe in terms of the top four. And I know this match means more for Liverpool considering the position they are in the table. But for me, I can't have Liverpool as favourites here. Um, I just don't see United sort of lying down, having their tummies tickled because Liverpool need the points and they've got, you know, Europa League ties to, to navigate. But uh, it'll be interesting to hear your thoughts. So over to you then, Tom, for your best bet. Yeah, I've, I've got all them kind of notes already written down. I, I was looking at the prices and I, I expected it to be a pick'em, um, kind of both 17 to 10. But um, I kind of can understand why United have been pushed out a little bit, given they're going to finish second. And they're playing tonight, obviously, against Roma. Big game for them. And Liverpool, generally, we, we we think of them as a really good home team, but they've been pretty poor at Anfield and, and pretty strong on the road. Um, they've just not, not lost that many in recent times on the road in the Prem. But, yeah, as you say, I, I can't have them as favourites. Um, but I just don't think Man United really have to win. I think the motivation factor is with Liverpool. I kind of looked at the main markets in, in this game and I just think if I was going for anything, I'd probably pump for the draw at 27-10. But that would just be if there was a gun to my head. It's not really a, a match-up in the 1 by 2 that I'm that interested in. Um, I did look into the goal line as well because... The goal line set a flat 2.5, which might surprise a few given what these two sides have going forward and kind of looked into the uh, the XG data. And if we take the XG of both sides, United 2.72 and Liverpool 2.9. So the goal expectancy is around 2.8 for this game. And you're getting a flat 2.5 line, not a 2.75, which... Could make uh, some appeal if you want him to back over two and a half. Um, I, I do think that the strengths of both sides are going forward, but we've seen too many games of this calibre just be pretty drab and low scoring, so maybe that's factored in as well. So, yeah, it, it was quite a um, quandary trying to pick anything out in kind of the main markets, and if I'm honest, it's not a game that I'm going to have much of an interest in. Yeah, from a betting perspective, uh, both sides operating around a 60% expected goals ratio too. So that 
I would say if there's any value, uh, just about be with United, but I can understand why they're um, around 15 to 8. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm kind of going straight to like the referee here and Michael Oliver. It's some someone we've mentioned up teen times on this podcast has been a, a really good um, referee for giving a penalty. And a penalty to be awarded 13 to 8 with Boyle Sports, which I think is okay. I mean, if you can find any two to one about about a pen anywhere, um, I'd probably take it then at two to one. But we mentioned before he's, he's given seventeen pens in twenty five Premier League games, so there's then probably a touch of value really in that price at thirteen to eight. Um, but he's he's actually given multiple penalties in six of them twenty five games, and he also give a penalty penalty to both sides in a international game between Turkey and Holland recently too so it's one thing I've mentioned before both teams to score a penalty is 37 to 1 we bet Victor it shouldn't be 37 to 1 um I'd say like hopefully some point in the summer I'm going to kind of drill down into more penalty based data and how often this happens but for me, it should it should be much shorter than twenty five to one. Um, it shouldn't be anywhere near thirty seven to one. Uh, here we've got United, who've been given nine pens. That's the second highest in the league. Liverpool have had six, which is the fourth highest. And the conversion rates: United have converted eight of nine, and Liverpool have converted all their six. So yeah, both teams to score a penalty would be kind of a long shot option for me here. Thirty seven to one with Bet Victor which you can do under their method of goal market on the bet builder. Um, just just too big. Um, I don't think they've factored in the referee in, in any of these kind of pricing models. I just think they go with a, a similar price week in, week out. And, um, yeah, I looked at Oliver. It's interesting because there's some refs who are really good for pens, but they're just not that good for cards. And he, he kind of fits that narrative, and he's a... Ref who's in his last nine games given three, zero, three, two, one, four, five, one, and two in terms of cards, which is pretty low. And obviously, the, these two don't like each other when I mean, you hear that all the time. But look a bit deeper into the last six meetings between them. There's been nine cards apiece, no red cards either. So it's an average of 1.5 per game. So I looked at each team to have under three cards, which is four to five on Bet365's Bet Builder. That'll probably be my main option here. Um, we mentioned that Liverpool have actually started picking up a few more cards, but it's it's hardly happened where they've had three or more cards. I think it's happened twice this season in the league. So yeah, 94% of games. Liverpool have seen under three cards and United have seen under three cards in 76% of games as well. So I, I think the value is probably with unders, um, but this way, if even if both teams have two cards, you're still winning your bet. So I'd rather take that than the under 3.5 match cards at uh, around 1.83. Yeah, so that would be my main bet. But yeah, kind of the, the major markets, uh, they're quite efficient as they always are. And they, I'd probably have a, a preference towards something like Man United double chance and over one goal. But um, I, I just can't really nail my colours to the mast in that regard. So I'll stick with the, the cards, each team under three cards, 
now by having a nibble on both teams to score a penalty, 37 to 1. Good stuff. Over to you then, Will. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I'm of the same opinion that I can't really see why Liverpool should be favourites. Clearly, something is, yeah, something to do with this Europa League fixture because on the data, obviously, Liverpool have been data darlings for a lot of the season as well, but it's not so much a case at the moment. It's quite similar between the two clubs as well now. So, I don't know. Uh, I, I've started to wonder whether the tide has actually st- completely swung back towards United here at this rate. It seems this bad run is now a bit more sort of systemic for for Liverpool. Um, the long-term injury is obviously still a driver, but it seems some sort of overhaul is required, in not just defensively, but going forward, they feel like they've dropped a level. They did seem to be signs of life in that victory at uh, Emirates, but it's not really a, a major scalp at the moment, beating Arsenal. Um, and yeah, just since they're, since winning 7-0 at South, Southhouse Park on the 19th, 19th of December, when they were top of the league, uh, they were two clear of United and five of City. Since then, they've won six, drawn five, lost eight. And in that same spell, United have won 11, drawn seven and lost one. So on that basis, yeah, I, there's no way you'd have me back in Liverpool this weekend, really. Um, one thing I saw gleaned from this schedule between the Europa tonight and then the weekend, um, obviously the, the lineup actually should be out in about 20 minutes from the time we're recording. So it would be ideal if we had it right now. But um, Paul Pogba and Edinson Cavani should return to this starting eleven tonight after they were sort of rested on, on Sunday against Leeds or part, partly rested, um, which means we expect Mason Greenwood to to be rested tonight or swap back out and then back in on Mon- on Sunday. And he's been a bit of a, a money spinner for me in, in recent weeks. He's been on his shots prices and goals prices feel like they've been a little bit of value on them. Um, against Leeds, West Ham and Chelsea, he's played up front. In, in recent weeks and managed four, five and two shots in those games. And basically overall, he averages 3.18 shots per 90 this season. 34% of those are on target, which is around the average uh, mark. But basically, um, I feel like the best value on him is actually an anytime goal scorer price. Uh, since if we if we if we're getting 10 to 11 and him to have three plus shots, which seems about the correct price. Um, and I, I did what I did with uh, Bellingham last week as well. I looked at uh, the basically 11% of shots are goals this season. So if he's going to have three shots, obviously Liverpool are a slightly tougher opposition, but let's say around the 30% uh, chance of scoring. Um, so two to one, whereas we can actually get seven to two on him to score any time. I think he could well play, play up front um, and definitely get a fair bit of game time here if we're, like we say, with United have done most of the hard work in the league already. So he's, he's seven to two to score any time at um, Grosvenor Sport and Mr. Green and all the other can be, can be operators or providers. Uh, so I'll, I'll have a little go on that one. Um, he's quite a lot shorter elsewhere. Uh, he's around three, uh, yeah, 11, 11 to five, which seems closer to those sort of expected odds that we, we use that maths to work out. Um, I, yeah, I will add Man United um, at 11 to 10 plus zero Asian handicap as well with Bet Victor. Um, I feel like that there's there's only a low risk with that bet, and I do think there's some some value in United, but maybe it's not a huge amount. Uh, I did look at Michael Oliver as well. <laughs> I, I even had it penciled in, but I was never gonna, I wasn't going to put it up because I had another another penalty bet. But I do like Tom's long shot there as well. Um, he's Obviously, we, we've looked at all of his stats there, so I won't go through him in detail. But 
he's basically it's five to two for a pen to be scored at bet victor which is the best price um which would suggest that united to score a penalty is five to one and that is the price with bet 365 but bet victor actually have bruno fernandez to score a penalty at seven to one um i can't really see any reason for the sort of little increase in in value on on there between five and seven to one bruno fernandez plays pretty much every minute in the Premier League, uh, has taken all of United's nine uh, pens in the Premier League as well. So I think seven to one is a is a little extra long shot. So actually three free bets for me on this match. Um, United draw no bet or plus zero Asian handicap at 11 to 10 with bet victor. Mason Greenwood to score any time uh, at seven to two with Grove and the Sport. And then Bruno Fernandes score a pen at seven to one as well. And I couldn't, couldn't put you off with uh, Tom's Bet Victor, both teams to score a pen long shot either, for sure. Lovely stuff. Some great angles there from a game which probably just wasn't sort of striking off the page as it normally would do with uh, considering the state of play in the Premier League. But there we are. Let's uh, let's move on. We didn't actually put a poll out this week for our European Game of Focus purely because we felt the standard of games across the continent this weekend wasn't particularly high. Uh, obviously, there's no Bundesliga with the DFB Pokal taking centre stage um, but uh, we have decided to focus on France again because on Sunday night title challenges Monaco and Lyon uh, I think deserve their airtime here because uh, it's been a thrilling title race and it was a thrilling game last week between Lille and Lyon which we covered. Uh, Monaco the form team in France right now they're 13 to 10 favs in the principality. Lyon probably out of the title race in fairness now but they're still hanging there or thereabouts. They're 11 to 5 shouts away from home. Go back to you then Will for your view and your best bet. Yeah, uh, the the free transfer Burak Yilmaz took Leon apart uh, last weekend, didn't he? Two nil, two nil down, and uh, terrific free kick and a perfect square pass assist. Uh, I think it was Jonathan David, and then a, a breakaway winner as well at the end. So huge, huge result for Le Dog, and um, all but ended Leon's title hopes. Really, I would say, like uh, really, with considering the. A class of the, the the fact that there's three tough teams in, in in the race with them that you're not expecting them all to slip up um, enough in these last four games, but still an enormous match for Monaco for sure. Um, and then I think also it was quite a deserved result for Lille as well last weekend. If you look at the XG, it was 1.87 to 0.95. I think Lyon were a bit lucky with some scrappy things going on in the box. Jose Font didn't do too well, but it was. Um, I think it was sort of unlucky as well, really, that uh, they conceded early two goals early on. Um, yeah, and both both Lille and PSG actually faced sides in the top half this weekend as well. So anything could happen in a way. I think they got Lons and Nice uh, respectively. So you feel Monaco have to keep their foot on the gas, being sort of two points behind Lille and one behind PSG if they are to capitalise at any point. Um Leon have only won three of their last nine league on games now. Um, they weren't top on match day 19, as we mentioned last week, but still now six points off the pace. So, yeah, I mean, I think I felt last week Lille to keep a clean sheet did seem quite unlikely, and that kind of went quite early. And I felt that that might sort of lead to both teams to score sort of scenario, and that came it came true in the end. And um, I think Leon will be a bit of a wounded animal right now. Uh, although Monaco did beat them fairly easily at uh, Group Armour Stadium just 10 days ago um, in the Coupe de France, um, I'm not sure I would trust Monaco at 13 to 10 quotes, really. They, both their goals came after the Diamande red card in that match. 
there were eight yellows and one red in that meeting um, in the Coupe de France, which so it, that could still be a little raw. Um, I did look at the ref. It is uh, Clermont Turpin, um, which is is not an ideal scenario, really. Um, he's got one of the lowest uh, cards per game this season in France, 20th of 23. So I, I kind of skipped cards. Otherwise, I would have really fancied it with the magnitude of the fixture, really. And Pinnacle had the line at four, but over four bookings at 10 to 11. So I would expect other bookies to price up around evens. And I think there's not really enough value with, with Turpin, who, who does a lot of these high-profile games in, in France and, and UEFA as well, really. Uh, so I went kind of back to goals. Um, both teams to score is only 8 to 15, I guess, because Monaco are a lot more of an attacking-style team. So not really any any legs in that either in terms of actual team goals. But my my real um, sort of uh, edge, I think, in this match is, is Ben Yedder. Um, so he came on early for... Uh, Stefan Jovetic at Angers, um, which we both had as our naps last weekend, and I felt was it seemed about a fair result, the one 0 away win in the end. So, so they didn't really do enough in front of goal, but they really limited Angers to absolute nothing, basically, um, just didn't do enough themselves. And Jovetic went off injured, um, and then Ben Yedder came on and scored a, a nice little winner later on in the game, a little dink over the keeper. Um, and I mean, he's He's actually, the last five goals he's netted have come as a substitute um, with uh, Niko Kovac having preferred to start Jovetic. And looking into the reasons for that, it's basically because Ben Yedder had coronavirus and feels like he's lost a little of his pace, or at least it, it seems to be that's that's one of the key drivers for this because Yedder is actually the, the captain of the club. Um, so now we've got Jovetic out this, this weekend with a calf injury that f- forced him off against Angers. Um, and he should now get more game time. I mean, he scored five goals in his last four matches, even though none of them was, were actual 90-minute affairs. Um, he scored off the bench against Lyon in the Coupe de France. Um, so I just feel like he's he's got a great great chance now with 90 minutes ahead of him to sort of, you know, completely show Kovac why he should probably be starting these matches. Um, he is just 10 to 11 to score any time at bet 3-6-5, but 13 to 8 with with Betfair and Paddy Power, who look a little out of kilter with the rest. So I really like that price. That's my my main play on this game, or my only play, actually, unless you kind of fancied um, him to score two or more, which is boosted, actually, at Betvictor, 19 to 2, a little, about a point bigger than you can get anywhere else. But I'll just go with him to score any time at 13 to 8 at Betfair and Paddy Power. OK, over to you then, Tom. Talk to me. Monaco, Leon, Sunday night. What's your angle? I, I like Monaco to win at 13 to 10, to be honest. Um, they are the form side. We've mentioned them enough times now. It's been just so consistent. And I mentioned their unbelievable defensive record last time. And another clean sheet. That's one goal in 12 games that they've conceded now, I believe. Which is just frightening. And when a team's got such a good defensive record... Against anyone, you and you're getting kinds of odds against. You've got to be looking at it, especially with the players that they've got going forward with Ben Yedder, Jovetic, um, uh, what's he called, Voland as well, Golovin who, who had plenty of shots against Angers. 
Yeah, I, th- I think Will's right. In, in that game, they'd one nil's probably a fair scoreline. They weren't really at it, but they still managed to win. And that, that's the thing. If you've got a solid defence like that and you don't concede any chances, then chances are you are going to win the game. And I just think 13-10 to 10 is fine. I've seen them drifting a little bit today, weirdly. Um, but they're around 23-20 to 20 in some places. But yeah, so 2.15, but you're getting 2.3 here with William Hill and a few other bookmakers, which I think is absolutely fine. I just look at Leon in that game against Leo and Will's right to mention Barack Yilmaz. I think that that was probably the best individual performance I've seen this season. I watched that entire game and he, he was everywhere. I, I thought that he'd be one of these strikers now at his age that would just kind of linger around the box and not really do much, but he was popping up everywhere. He was running the channels. Um, just looked at a massive threat and laid one on a plate for Jonathan David. And yeah, Leon went with a really weird back four there. Denier wasn't fit, so Desiglio had to go in at centre half. He's naturally a left back, and the youngster Bar went at left back. Um, just a bizarre. I'm not really sure what was going through the manager's head there because they had the likes of Corner, uh, Husamala, and um, Bruno Guimaraes on the bench for this game. So they're really three players who should be starting week in, week out for Leon. And whether he's trying to be clever doing that and, and try to save him maybe for this game, but they they look to be out of it now. Um, that's with Mon- with Monaco beating Angers and PSG winning as well. That it's put them really on the back foot. So they're going to have to come out and win. So I can make a case for goals, but again. Monaco just aren't conceding at the minute, and I expect the goals to come from Monaco. So Monaco to win at 13 to 10 is fine for me. I think that that will be my best bet. Um, and well, you've got to think about like the psychological factor as well with that winning the cup um, over Leon just a couple of weeks ago. Deserved to win that. Uh, that was a very feisty game. They always are between these two. Um, it's a shame that Turpan is the man in the middle who's he's kind of like the Michael Oliver of France in, in that he's given all these big games. Um, he, he does quite a lot in Europe too. So he, he's a bit more of a sensible ref, I guess, which we absolutely hate to see. We want to see these refs going mental with the cards. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, the, the card angle, I can't. I can make you can make a case for it, but Leon didn't even get a card against Leo, uh, annoyingly, which we were on cards for that. Uh, Leo got three, so maybe you could look at Monaco cards, perhaps um, if they do take the lead. They're usually quite decent for a card. They picked up two again uh, against Angers, but I'm I'm looking at um, another anytime goal scorer. Now. I mentioned him last week, Guillermo Maripan. He's 11 to 1 with Unibet to score any time here. He's 10 to 1 in a few of the places like Bet365 Bet too. But he's a shot as 5 to 1 in places and, and 11 to 2 in quite a, quite a few other places. So it's always interesting to see the price differences on centre halves to score any time between these bookmakers. And if you're getting double figure price, I'm, I'm going to take that. Um, I mentioned him last week that he scored five already this season. 
he's had a shot in 12 of 19 games that he started. And um, he actually hit the bar against Angers, uh, a looping header that, I mean, if he was half a yard further back, that was in. Um, and I just think that if Leon, I'm not sure if Denier is going to be back for this, but they didn't look to have a really tall team, particularly. Um, Skilio, if he's at centre-half as well, um, I can't have Leon um, getting anything from this game. I think that they could get done from a few set-piece situations too. But you could also see him getting done uh, in behind as well, how high that line was at the end for that for that Yilmaz goal with uh, Yazici getting that flick on. And the centre-half are like five, five yards deeper than the halfway line. Real schoolboy stuff, especially... When you're in a title race, just gonna throw it away like that. So it says a lot about their kind of game management, I guess, and it's quite erratic. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm all about Monaco here. I think Monaco to win at 13 to 10 is great, but Maripan is a, a big price at 11 to one. I'm gonna have a little tickle on him for a bit more interest. Good stuff. Right, let's move on. Business time. Gonna go through naps, next bests, long shots, and everything else. Starting with the latter, as we always do, and back to Will for his long shot. Sure, yeah. Um, another another EFL pick here. Um, I'm going to bottom of League Two, actually. Barrow and South End. Um, God knows what's got me doing this. I don't really... <laughs> um, but Barrow made sure of their future in, in League Two in, in midweek. Um, pretty good effort with two games to go, really, for them. Eight points clear of the drop zone um, in their first professional league season for 48 years. So they were four favourites uh, for the drop in the anti-post markets as well in August. So they've basically proven the bookies bang on. Thousand to one to win the league um, and four favourites for relegation. So kind of exactly where we expected them, really. Um, David Dunn replaced Ian Ever in pre-season. was sacked by mid-December. And then since then, we've had assistant Rob Kelly has had sort of two interim stints sandwiched between... Seven games um, under Michael Jolly as well. And um, what Rob Kelly has done in, in both of those stints has been pretty vital to their to their survival um, achievement. And yeah, they're second. Uh, they're playing second from bottom, uh, South End, who are six points behind Scunthorpe and Colchester with just two games to go. Um, Colchester faced Salford and Tranmere in their last two matches, and Scunthorpe faced Stevenage and Bradford. Um, Southend will be hoping that Bradford do do him a favour this weekend uh, for sure, Tom. And all of those matches are uh, are quite tough, I would I would say. So this is not completely out of Southend's reach, actually. Surprisingly, I'd kind of had him written off completely. Um, it does come down to goal difference, and that's a lot about what what my long shot is here. Um, Phil Brown remains convinced his side can avoid relegation on goal on goal difference despite being eight goals behind Scunthorpe um he'd said basically that it's looked a bridge too far at many times and um well he's only been there for four games but um it's kind of you know with with if you get a couple wins and the other teams lose you you immediately sort of double up on on the reduction in, in goal difference between you so I think that that he's basically said that they're not giving up. He's he's kind of got the dress dressing room on his side. I know that he replaced Mark Bowlesley recently, and many people were kind of against that decision. I was inclined to agree with that as well. Brown returned to the club where he's 
had a five-year stint between uh, 2013 and 2018. Um, and since he's got back, he's overseen two draws, one win and one loss. Um, he went and watched Barrow's game against Forest Green in midweek, which which saw Barrow clinch survival. Um, anyway, they won 2-0 in, in Gloucestershire. Um, and since the start of February, actually, just in general, the Shrimpers have lost just five games in 18 uh, the thing that's been their problem is goals, which makes my my goal difference pick seem even harder to support. But um, they've actually they've had nine draws in those 18 games, of which seven were goalless. Um, and all season, they've only scored three or more goals twice. Um, but they grabbed two last time out when when needs must against Leighton Orient. Um, and obviously, we know it's been a difficult season for off the off the pitch reasons, debts and insolvency threats. And uh, most of that has been sorted out, um, at least and bolstered in January. Um, and this run since February demonstrates to me sort of that they're much changed squad. They've had they've had 42 players used this season. Only Grimsby have had more with 44. Um, most sides are around 30. So it demonstrates that they've learned how to play at this level. Unfortunately, I guess it probably has come a little bit too late, but this is a long shot for a reason. And I think the desire is probably there from Southend. Uh, the requirement for a big win is definitely there. And I'm, I'm not suggesting that uh, Barrow, the, the Bluebirds, will just roll over, but their work is done. I wouldn't be surprised if that was evident come 5 p.m. on Saturday. Rob Kelly had a little look on some Barrow um local news said i'm not going to lie we'll definitely have a few glasses of wine and maybe even a couple of pints if i can find somewhere that will serve me and i'm hoping <laughs> a few of the players did the same so um <laughs> it's i know i i just basically south end are nine to one to score over 2.5 goals at um holker street and they've only done it twice this season but they i feel like they're on an upward trajectory unfortunately possibly too late but now is the real time and they could become they could be relegated whatever happens come come 5 p.m as well but if if other teams around them don't win um these goals will be vital so it's not enough to just go for the win and they are only about 11 to 4 for the win i think you may as well support um a bigger win um so so nine to one for over 2.5 south end goals at, at bet 365 yeah, interesting. They have been on an upward trajectory for, for quite some time, but uh, to me it doesn't mask over what, in my opinion, was one of the worst decisions in the EFL this season. Um, with the greatest respect to Southend, I know the fans, quite a few of them, and they're all really good guys. It's a good club. And it's not sour grapes because I'm on Southend relegation, but they absolutely deserve to go down for, for sacking Mosley for Phil Brown. The timing of it, everything about it, just absolutely yeah. baffling. The decision absolutely stinks, in my opinion. Uh, and... You can understand the fans' frustration to the chairman, Ron Martin, right now. Obviously, I hope they do the business for you, Will, and, and get your long shot over the line. But uh, that's just one of the worst decisions I've seen in the EFL. And that's a, a pretty uh, a pretty wretched, wretched little uh, list of poor decisions in the EFL this season, and this season. And to have that one near the top is saying something. But uh, I know you agree, Tom, but your long shot anyway. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in the, the EFL as well. going to go up a league. I'm going to actually get against a team that are already relegated. Um, and you've just gone in quite hard on Southend. I'm going to go hard in on Joey Barton, who's quite frankly been a joke in the last week. <laughs> what what a joke of a guy he is. I mean, Absolutely little maggot, that man. Yeah. I, thought, I mean, I'd be interested. When he was at QPR, did you like him or not then, Mark? 
We are. Oh, <laughs> absolutely not. Um, I absolutely despised him. Um, I would love to use a, a four-letter word to describe him, but I can't. But uh, um, I don't know. You, you all think about the uh, Guero goal that won Man City the, uh, the Premier mm. League title. But earlier in that day, he pretty much sabotaged our chances of, of uh, survival by getting sent off just needlessly. And... Um, you know, if we'd been relegated that day, um, he'd been vilified a lot more than, than what he was, really. But, uh, yeah, no, the supporters despise him and never want him back anywhere near the club. What did <laughs> you think of uh, his French accent, Tom, back in the, the few oh, years ago? Almost as good as yours. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was, like, the first nail in the coffin for me with, <laughs> with that. And, I mean, what is he thinking? He just doesn't have a clue, does he? But... It is basically just a bit of a backstory of what's happened this week. Bristol Rovers got relegated. Um, I'm just going to plug that I put put them up at eight to one on the Antipost podcast as one of my strongest bets for the season, and I'm not surprised that they've gone down given that squad. First and foremost, like it is a bottom four squad. There's no getting away from that. I said that at the start of the season. Poor, poor signings. They didn't uh, replace Johnson, Clark, Harris either or any of the central midfielders, Clark or Circum. So they, they've got what they deserve in, in that right. But Barton's basically come out and try to, try to shy away from the fact that it's his team that's gone down. He's saying that he's not going to count this relegation on his CV. <laughs> well, you're going to be the only one doing that, Joey. I think everyone else is having that on your CV. Because over the 16 games that he's overseen in the week, they've lost 11. And let's not forget that they were outside the drop zone when he got this job. It was in their hands and he's blown it because he just doesn't know how to adapt. Uh, Fair enough, the the team at his disposal, there's probably not enough quality there. But I think if they'd have kept with Ben Garner, they'd have probably improved. Um, it wasn't great to watch under him, uh, I think it's fair to say, but I think Bristol City fans, a few, I mean, Bristol Rovers fans maybe had a, a few kind of delusions of grandeur with that side that they had. I just looked at it and I thought that's probably the worst squad in the league. And um, that any kind of survival, whatever it took, if, if they got survival, that would be a good season. Um but, yeah, they've just been on a downward spiral. Just looking down the record now, they lost five in a row. Then they've beaten really out of form Doncaster. They got a point at Northampton. And they've lost the last three games without scoring. Just really struggling up front. They haven't really got a striker of note at all. And um, you've got to find a different way to get points if you haven't got a striker who's going to score goals. And Barton's just not done that, so... He's basically come out and said, I'm happy if the players, if every single player here left, because I don't want any of them in my squad. Um, When we're down in League Two next season, don't expect to see the football that I want to play, which is a ridiculous thing to say. Why can't you? If if you've got kind of belief in your own ability as a manager, then go out and play the football that you want. Get the players in that you want. Don't think that you've got to go route one. Because you don't. We've seen plenty of good teams get out of League 2 playing good football. Um, so, yeah, he's come out with a load of all tosh. And the players, I wouldn't be surprised if they just don't try a leg from now till the end of the season. If they're hearing that they're not going to be there next season, no kind of 
managers who might be looking to take them on next season at a different club are going to view them on these last two or three games at all because they'll understand the situation that they're in. And, yeah, I just think you've got to get against a team who are just they're lacking quality, confidence, and they don't want to play for the manager, and the manager's not bothered about the results. So I can't believe that Crew are thirteen to eight to beat Bristol Rovers this weekend. I thought, I honestly, I think that they should be around eleven to ten. I think it's a massive price, just because Crew are a side who have belief in the ability on about how they play. I think Will mentioned it about Crew recently, how they just like to get the ball on the floor and just be expressive and. Um, do what they've kind of been brought up to do, which is play decent football, attractive to watch, attacking. And I just think that they're going to run all over this Bristol Rovers side. So my long shot is actually crew minus one on the handicap at 19 to four or 5.75. So almost five to one uh, with red zone. I think that that's a cracking price because if they do win this, I think that one goal that crew get, Bristol Rovers are probably just going to absolutely fold. If this ends 4-5-0, I really wouldn't be surprised. I just cannot see Crew not winning this game. And the price is massive. Um, interestingly, a lot of Crew's wins have actually come to nil, which I was interested in when I kind of looked into that. 10 of the 16 wins have um, come to nil. Six of them have been 2 nil as well. So when they do win, they tend to cover the minus one handicap too. Um, so yeah, I just think that with Charlie Kirk, one of the best players, best young players in the league, um, there's a lot of players there who could get a move in the summer. So they're going to still have quite a bit to play for personally. And um, yeah, I just think that they're going to have confidence really. They've got nothing to play for. Bristol Rovers have less than nothing to play for. Um, Barton, I just hope that they get battered this weekend because he deserves a lot more criticism than what he's getting because he's trying to... He actually said, um, uh, I'm going to take full responsibility for for us kind of going down and then just went on to say, all the players are awful. I want my own players in. I don't want any of these here next season. Basically putting the book on everyone else, which is kind of a measure of the man. So I actually think if he get sacked from Bristol Rovers next season, he's not going to get another job in the football league. Just so you know, guys, if either of you ever want to slag Joey Barton off, you've got my permission to go two-footed in, and we've always got time for that. Even if we're running on for two hours, we've always got time for a bit of Joe, Joey Barton slagging off. So sure. there's that. Uh, right, let's move on to the next best. Back to you then, Tom. Your, your next best, not your nap. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to actually go at the Premier League for this. I'll keep this a bit more short and sweet because it's quite obvious. Chelsea to beat Fulham and under three and a half goals, which is 21 to 20. That's with Betway, Boyle Sports, Betfred, quite a few firms. I just, I think it should be odds on, to be honest, when I kind of dissected everything. It's a bet that's landed in 30, 13 of 21 games under Thomas Tuchel for Chelsea in all competitions. And obviously they played Madrid in Madrid midweek and then they've got the, the big reverse game. So I just think it's one of them games what he'll just want to get done. If you can get an early goal, 
then Chelsea have kind of the control on the ball to just see the game out. That's one of the skills that Tuchel has. Um, and it, it's just one of them where it, Fulham, looking at where they are in the table, it, it's probably the end of the road for them. Um, you might think, oh, well, they're going to have to come out and try and win. But I just think with it being a local rivalry, they, they don't want to get embarrassed and... I think they'll just try stay in the game and be quite defensive like they have been and maybe try and nick one, but I just don't think they're going to have, have enough personally. And uh, Fulham have seen under three and a half goals in 88% of games. And they've actually seen under two and a half goals in three quarters of their away games too. So tended to be quite low scoring affairs away from home they've been better away than they have at home but um, kind of against the best teams that they've come up short and I just think that Chelsea probably go 1-0 up in the first half probably see it in the second half with another goal they're not going to go hammer and tongs for a 5-0 it's just not their style they'll just want to get it done and it, people say well they might be tired well they won't be because they'll make a lot of changes you saw what I did in that midweek game, um, made a triple substitution, brought Havertz on, Ziyech on. Um, I can't remember who else came on, but they, uh, them kind of players will be playing for maybe a starting place in, in that Champions League second leg if they can perform. So there's motivation there for Chelsea. They're still going for top four too, but they'll, they'll do it in a manner where they're quite safe and, yeah, Chelsea to win at one to two is fine in my book, but odds against on them to win an under three and a half, given it's landed in a large majority of the wins under Thomas Tuchel, is absolutely fine for me. Yeah, and odds against twenty one to twenty looks like a nice simple way. Yeah, agreed on that one. Uh, Will, your next best. Yeah, I'm going to put my allegiances aside this weekend and tip up um, the the quiet neighbours, Oxford United. <laughs> only, uh, only, only Wigan and Hull. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't say uh, put my allegiances aside without having a little dig at the same time. <laughs> um, only Wigan and Hull have won more points than than Oxford in their last five matches. So they're, they're a form side. Um, the tilt towards a playoff um, spot is a, on at full pelt for for the Yellows, who've scored seventeen in their last five, in those last five games too. So um, a feature of their season has been. Uh, difficulty keeping clean sheets and uh, just one clean sheet in the process of, the, of those five games but attack has been the best form of defense for for them and you sense if they make the playoffs uh they, they may come unstuck against some of these more organized outfits um in the in the top six against the the current top six they've they've taken just seven points from those 12 matches so they have a one uh one one match drawn four lost seven but that has actually meant that they've they've been pretty good flat track bullies, Oxford. Um, I think a few people remember in the mid-season point where they won seven in a row. All of those victories were against sides in the bottom half at the moment. Um, so that was uh, Fleetwood, Rochdale, uh, Rovers, Burton, Plymouth, Wimbledon and Northampton all sort of swatted aside in, in pretty ruthless fashion. They were scoring a lot of goals and c- keeping fair few clean sheets at that time. And they've, they've kind of come back to that form again of, of late. Um, this weekend, um, Shrewsbury host them. Um, and they were smashed 4-1 at the Kassam only two weeks ago because it was a rearranged uh, fixture um, from the sort of coronavirus times uh, a few months back. So 
Um, Shrewsbury have lost six of the last nine matches. Um, they're on the, the sort of the meadow, as it were, I guess. And uh, so certainly they're a bottom half club. Um, so nothing to play for for Salop at all at the moment. One of the one of the least form sides, and I think Oxford uh, at nineteen to twenty at bet three six five is a good price. Uh, you'll also get the, the early payout market if you take the price there. So they are ticks ticks smaller than some of the other bookies, but worth it for that early payout, I think. Uh, yeah, just a, a simple one for me there. Yeah, good stuff. Like the sound of that. Um, right, best part of the show, the naps, the best bets of the weekend. Back to you, Tom. Well, yeah, I know, I know that you are keen on this one, Mark, as well. I, um, sent you a message this morning saying I like this bet, and you'd already written <laughs> about a page of kind of stuff backing it up, which is always good to see. And um, it's a, getting against a team that I, I mentioned last week in Bordeaux, who are really in quite a sorry state at the minute. Um, obviously, it's come out a bit more this week about them going into administration and the American owners wanting to sell up. Um, I just don't really know why a buyer's coming in for them either. Um, it, it's going to be a really tough summer for them and all the players that are there are probably not going to be there next season, or a large majority of them. And, yeah, they went down 4-1 against Lorient in an insipid performance. So I watched that game. Um, they just looked like they didn't want to be there. Uh, you just got that vibe from them, especially at the back. And you, you can learn a lot, I think, when you see players' reactions to goals. And they weren't fuming. They were just like, oh, well, who's meant to be doing the job? They're shrugging their shoulders. Really poor. Um Koscielny wasn't fit for that. I'm, I'm not sure on his situation, but I don't think he'll be back for this. And they're at home against uh, Stadoren, who are really on form. Um, I kind of was surprised that Julian Stefan, their, their manager, got the chop a couple of months ago because he, he'd done absolutely wonderful things with that club. But... Maybe they did need a refresh. They'd had a really, a couple of really long seasons under him, and maybe things went a little bit stale. I guess for the players that they've got there, they, they should be kind of challenging for Europe, and they're still in the mix, to be fair. But Bruno Genesio's come in and done a great job at just lifting things. They've looked a much more attacking threat, finding different ways to win as well, and. Um, they're showing much more in the final third with Martin Terrier who's been great as kind of a makeshift striker and Jeremy Doku players improving all the time. But yeah, it's more against Bordeaux than anything. Uh, they've actually lost 12 of the last 14 games in all competitions and they're a team that are just, they're probably going to be safe but the players' hearts aren't in it at the minute and yeah, if you look at um, Genesio, the last six games for Ren, they've won five and drawn one. Uh, battered Dijon in the end. And I can see parallels with that Dijon game is what could happen here because when Ren took the lead, eventually they went 1-0 down, but then after that, Dijon's heads dropped and they're already relegated. I could see something similar happening with Bordeaux here. And defensively, they've got the players to kind of shut up shop if they have to run 
Um, but I just think they'll outscore them ultimately. And they're four to five with SBK to win, which is absolutely fine. It's three to four with Bet365 if you want that early payout, which I think is fine too. Um, I think that that might come in a little bit. I, I'm expecting a lot of movement against Bordeaux in these coming weeks because, yeah, they were absolute shambles last week against the Lorient side who were trying to fight off relegation below them in the table too. So a team like Rennes in the top half of the table going for Europe are, are going to pose even more of a threat. So, yeah, happy to take Rennes to win 4-5. to five. Good stuff. Uh, Will, your nap of the weekend? Yeah, another another French play for me as well. Um, we spoke at length last week about Angers' predicament with uh, Stéphane Moulin leaving at the end of the season, so I'll leave it there with them. But um, going to Stade du Moustoir, um, Lorient versus Angers on Sunday at 2pm. Um, as we say, unfortunately, Monaco couldn't win by more than one against Angers for the nap last weekend, but I'm taking them on again. Um, it was probably... Uh, kind of covered it already, but yeah, they, there was a 0.1 xG for Angers in in that game um, to 1.35 for Monaco. Um, and I mean, this has been Angers have been recording sort of these these scores for the last sort of 10 games actually, which um, is sort of peak nothing to play for shit housing, if you ask me. Um, for for context, um, Mets recorded the next lowest last uh, next lowest xg for last weekend um and that was 0.65 against ps uh, against psg yeah so so everyone one is literally nothing it's sort of one attempt well a couple of attempts from 30 yards out that go miles wide um so hoping not really anything for them again uh, this week and yeah over the last 10 10 matches uh, les noir at blanks um are averaging 0.84 uh, expected goals per game, and you compare that to Lorient, um, who are on 1.4 xG per game, and <clears throat> have probably been the most unlucky team in the league actually as well. Uh, conceded 15 goals more than their xG against expected, so no other side even makes double figures in that respect. So really, they should be on that on that basis, and, and their xG4 is bang on what the the numbers expect. So. There's a deficit of sort of 14, 15 goals, um, which would probably have them around 12th if if that had, uh, luck had been their way, really. Um, they're still fighting for safety. Uh, picked up 66% of their points across their last 15 matches, though. So a real upturn in form as as, as they deserved. Um, only five clubs have accumulated more points during that, that period. And uh, Les Merlot have six wins across the last eight at home as well. So they're in fine form at home um, where they really always pick up a high percentage of their points. It's 74% of their points there this season, which is pretty commonly the case because of their sort of hybrid synthetic um, fiber fibers sort of merged with grass pitch that they have there. So um, it's been good to see that they've, they've the board have clearly backed Christophe Pellissier, um and they will welcome three points if they can, get them from this tie to keep Nantes and Nimes uh, at bay. Uh, I read up about their their fixture their, their game against Bordeaux that Tom just mentioned, actually, and the first 30 minutes um, was a really, really high level of uh, performance and sort of blew him away. And he's he's mentioned that they have this 40-point bar, 40-point uh, kind of bar that they're trying to reach, um, and they have to get to it, and there's still four matches to do that. Um, they they kind of carry on, on in that respect. I think they've 
they, they need six more points, I think it is, or seven more points to get there. So he's not letting off, um, letting his foot off the gas by the sounds of it. Um, and I found, I fancy them strongly, really, at, at nine to ten to win with Betfair. Um, again, I'm just probably, I'll oppose Angers if, if the team is right. And I think Lorient are um, a right kind of team at the moment to, to get behind. Yeah, they were very good last weekend against a very poor Bordeaux team, but very impressive. And as you say, their home form has been very strong this season. But uh, cool, that's everything we've covered from the the main sort of uh, areas. All that's left to ask is if there's any other business that you'd like to cover, which we haven't been able to mention just yet. I would say we've run on quite a bit so far, so mm. keep it reasonably concise. Over to you, Tom. Yeah, just following on from what Will mentioned with Lorient, um, did look at them, I think that that's a, ni- a nice player. But Terem Moffi is a player that I mentioned last week on this section. Um, him to score, Lorient to win. Him to score and Lorient to win as a double, which all came in. Scored a hat-trick, and he, he was brilliant. Uh, scores all types of goals. He, he's, he's a big lad, so you probably... Defences think, right, we'll, we'll press high so they can't get crosses into him, but he's got deceptive pace and he can get in behind and when he's one-on-one, he's ice cold, he can round the keeper, he can chip the keeper. He's shown so many different types of finishing. Um, and he's 17-10 to 10 with Unibet to score any time, which is too big. Um, I think that he should be closer to kind of, closer to evens, really, given his his form and then you look it in, into kind of the data that kind of backs it up there's an account on twitter that you if you're kind of a football fan and uh young kind of young players who, who are coming through called scouted football which is a, a great resource for a lot of people do some really good magazines too they actually tweeted after i'd kind of written all my notes out for this um some interesting data about moffy who Ranks as a top three in the league for goals per 90, which is 0.72, which is really strong. Uh, Non-penalty XG, which is 0.58. And non-penalty XG per shot. It's kind of how efficient he's been with 0.23 for that, which is really good. Um, It just shows how clinical he is when he's in front of goal. And yeah, for pretty much all the reasons that Will mentioned, with Angers kind of being on the beach and... Um, having nothing to play for. I think Muffy is is a massive threat and I'd, if I were a firm, I'd, I'd be pricing him, him him up around 5-4 to four to score any time, not 7-10, to 10, uh, given Lorient at odds on to win this game. So, yeah, he's 15-2 to two for two or more. He's 40-1 to one for the hat-trick too, if you want to go back in on that. Um, does, <laughs> tend to, does tend to score in, in twos and threes if he does. So I might have a little tickle on all of them kind of set your stakes accordingly, of course. Of course he is, of course he is. So, uh, Will, you're any other business? Yeah, I've got two, but I will do it very quickly. I'm, I'm giving Rochdale another chance after they failed me last week. Their price crashed from 2-1 to one to 7-5 to five before kickoff, but mm-hmm. only uh, I could only get a 1-1 with uh, club hero Matt Doan getting a, a 97-minute equaliser at Crew. Um, so Crew, again, on, on, our, on our radar playing fairly well against a team that had it all to play for. Um, Dale have only lost two of the last 10 matches, um, and you compare that to Donny, who 
uh, are there visitors this weekend um, who have won win in 13 matches and completely ruined what looked a bit of a playoff push surety really from them. So Rochdale kind of still have a couple cha- a bit of a chance here um, and they're 11 to 10 to win at, at Skybet, a bit of a chance of survival, I mean. So I'll have a go on them. Um, and then Holvey Wigan uh, as well, also on Saturday at 3 p.m., uh, Harlov obviously won promotion back to the championship. Great stuff from Grant McCann, who's had um, the support after well, basically something that illustrates it quite well. As Andy Hinchcliffe said, um, that he thinks it's one of the greatest achievements he's seen in the EFL um, since ever being sort of a pundit on it. So um, com- obviously relegated in last place last season and, and now promoted. And a lot of people actually thought they would probably struggle a bit more than they have. Uh, so they've done very well. But again, another one of these situations where they, they've met, they've achieved their main aim here and Wigan have yet to finish, get over the line for safety yet. Um, I don't really ha- think Wigan should be five to one. So I will support them on the Asian handicap uh uh, plus one. So if if they lose by one, you get your money back. If they if they manage a draw, full stakes or or better, a full stakes payout. Uh, there was uh, that's that's seven to ten at Bet Victor. Another thing where there was basically a few celebrations going on at Sinsil Bank for whole last weekend. George Honeyman doing a rendition of Queen's "I Want to Break Free" and plenty of beers <laughs> around. So I'm trying trying to oppose these teams that are doing this um, that and have achieved their main aim. Of course, they want to win the league, but they have two goes at it as well, probably or possibly. So um, yeah, Wigan plus one as well, seven to ten. No, it's it's a good point. There's a there's good money to be made for those people who do get to get around all the grounds and understand who's been celebrating, who's already on the beach, and and who's absolutely motivated for these last two weeks in the EFL because there will be some complete ricks in those prices this weekend. It's just trying to find out who has been on the source and who hasn't. But uh, <laughs> we'll wrap it up there. Lo- loads of really well-researched and reason-suggested plays by the guys, as always. Really enjoyable. Got to kick Joey Barton when he's down, which is always good fun. But <laughs> um, as always, listeners, thanks very much for your social media support and your feedback. It's always much appreciated helps us improve the show going forward but uh, we'll wrap it up there so big thanks to the stars of the show as always Tom Love cheers good luck this weekend guys and Will Dyer thanks a lot guys have a good one this has been the Wheel of Betting Weekend preview podcast chat soon <laughs> <laughs>